to the St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows podcast channel. The sermon you are about to hear is from our worship service on May 14th, 2023. For more information about the community and ministries of St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows, you can visit our website, smlutheran.org. There you will find the full online worship service from which the sermon is taken. And if you would like to contribute financially to help sustain the ministries at St. Mark's, You'll find information on how to do that there as well. And now, here's Pastor Mark Gravrock with a gospel reading. Grace and peace to you from God, our Abba, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Poor Judas, he doesn't get much press. First of all, our gospel reading today identifies him simply as Judas, not Iscariot. Judas, no, not the betrayer one, the other Judas, you know, that one. That's how he's called. This verse, John 14, 22, this question, the question that Judas, not Iscariot, raises is all we know of this guy. Aside from the possibility that he's maybe the same as a guy named Thaddeus listed in the other Gospels, Judas, Thaddeus, Judas, the other one, that's it. This verse is his only claim to fame. So Judas, no, not Iscariot, has caught my attention this week. He's a nobody. He's not one of the leaders like Peter, James, John, or Mary Magdalene. He has no flavor like Thomas the Doubter does or Matthew the tax collector or the Marys and Salome who go to the tomb. He's just Judas, not Iscariot. A nobody, another colorless disciple like most of us. But that means that Judas, not Iscariot, gets to speak for all of us. Judas, this one time and one time only, gets to voice what we all feel in moments like this. So what is his question? He says, Jesus, I don't get it. What are you talking about? You tell us you're about to leave us. How is it that we're supposed to see you when you're not here anymore? How are we supposed to know that you're here when you're not? That's where we're going. But before we go there, a side trip into that Abba stuff, a dip into the mystery of the gender of God. St. Mark's is a community that practices expanding our God language. For example, instead of the traditional in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, which we'll use sometimes, we're more likely to say something like, in the name of God, our Creator, Christ, our Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit. That is, except for when those times when those of us who are older forget and slip back into the old familiar language. Why do we take these pains with our God language? Several reasons. First, we want to be true to who God is. God, it turns out, is bigger than gender, bigger than all of our categories, bigger than any picture of God that we will ever have. God actually tells us this from the very first chapter of the Bible, back there in Genesis 1, when God's about to create the human race and says, let's create humanity in our own image. The text goes on to say, God created humankind in God's own image. In the image of God, God made them male and female. God made them. There it is, plain as day. Male and female together carrying the very image of God. In spite of all our traditional images, God, it turns out, is no more male than God is female. Or no less female than God is male. Or maybe a better way to put it is to say that God's identity embraces all of what it means to be female and male. In today's language, we might even say that God is gender fluid, certainly gender embracing. 
That means that you, whoever you are, whatever shape you come in, you are created in God's image. That leads to the second reason. Our God language matters because we come in all shapes and genders and colors and classes, and I need to know that my shape is God's image and that your shape is God's image. It makes a difference in how I see myself and understand myself and how I see you and understand you. And then a third reason for paying attention to our language. God language matters because our own experience of fathers and mothers affects how we hear and experience God. I had the gift of growing up with a wonderful father. Dad was both gentle and strong, both firm and playful, tender and humble and secure all at once. Growing up with father language for God was pretty easy for me. It came naturally. I never confused my dad with God. That wasn't a problem. Dad was too human. But my dad picture pretty easily shaped my God picture. I have no doubt of that. But what happens if you don't have a dad like that? What happens if you grow up with an abusive father or an absent father or no father at all? Or what if you have a great dad but you're a girl or you're gay and the image of a father God is just different from what you are? What happens if the image of a male God simply reinforces a world of power that already treats you as less than? So I grew up with father language for God, and it worked for me. But as I grew, I began to discover the delight of the Bible's feminine and maternal images for God. As if the Bible had been quietly undermining our culture and broadening us all along. I have to admit, it's taken most of my life for a mother image of God to move from my brain to my heart and my imagination, and finally deep into my guts. But it's there now. So what's the point of all this long side trip? Two things. First, when we broaden the image of God like that, it brings with us a deeper sense of the compassion and tenderness of God. And that tenderness, that deep intimacy, infuses the heart of all of Jesus' words for us in John 14. And second, Jesus' own language, as it turns out, is soaked in father language. I'm sure you've noticed that for as much as we seek more expansive language for God here at St. Mark's, we're not likely to tamper with Jesus' own words. And so, for example, every Sunday morning, we begin the Lord's Prayer, Our Father in Heaven. We haven't changed that language because that's how Jesus taught it to us. Jesus himself regularly calls God Father. Here in this 14th chapter of John, in fact, I sat down and counted, and if I got, got the math right, Jesus calls God Father no fewer than 23 times. That's a lot of male language. That's new with Jesus. In the entire Old Testament, I'm only aware of two times when people directly call God Father in prayer. It's just not typical of Old Testament or Jewish piety in, the old, in that era. Jesus is the one who opens this up. He's the one who claims God as his dear Father and shares that relationship with us. But here's the thing. For all of Jesus' father language, there's only one place where we get to hear him pray to God in his own native tongue. Do you remember the story in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus goes to the cross? 
in his agony and distress, Jesus cries out, Abba. Abba, not the normal term father, the formal term. Abba is the child's name for her daddy, Papa. It's so clear that that's how Jesus talked to God because it spilled over into the early Christian community. Paul says, because you are now God's children, God has sent the spirit of Jesus into our hearts crying, Abba, Papa. That means that we followers of Jesus get to speak with God on that same level of intimacy as Jesus' gift to us. For Jesus to call God Abba is not about maleness. It's about a deep, intimate relationship with this parent, this daddy, this mommy. That's why I reworked and played with the gospel reading this morning and substituted Abba all the way through for Father. I invite you to sit down with the whole gospel of John, with the whole chapter 14 of John and try that for yourself and see what difference it makes in terms of the level of intimacy. And then once you've done that, you might want to try reading it again and this time substitute Imma, the Aramaic word for mommy and see what that does to your reading of John. Okay, back finally to the upper room, to the Last Supper. Back to Judas. No, not that one, the other one. We're on the journey. We are in transition. John 14 places us once more in that upper room the night before the cross. We are frightened, disoriented, unbalanced. Or to use Pastor Siggy's term last week, we are lost. Jesus is leaving us. He knows where our hearts are. So just as he began last Sunday with, let not your hearts be troubled, he'll say that again today. I give you my peace, peace that the world cannot give. I give you my peace. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let them not be afraid. And then he begins to reassure us with promises. I will ask my Abba, and Abba will give you another companion to be with you forever, to guide you on the journey ahead. This is the spirit of truth. Blind human experience can't make any sense of this companion, but you will know her. She's already been there alongside you, and will soon be inside you and in your midst. That's the first promise. The promise of a constant guide, the gift of a, present, a presence and a pathfinder. Not so reassured yet. Jesus knows our anxiety, so he comes at it a second time. He says, I will not leave you orphaned and lost. I myself will come to you. And then you'll know that I am in my Abba, and you are in me, and I am in you. And my Abba will love you. Okay, wait a minute, Jesus. I don't think I'm quite following you. Are you saying that it's the Spirit who's going to come to us, or that you yourself are going to come to us? Yes, he says, that's what I'm promising. That's when Judas, not Iscariot, the other one, can't take it anymore. Says, Jesus, I don't get it. How does this work? If you're leaving us, how are we going to know that you're here? How are you going to show yourself to us when no one can see you? If we can't see or feel you, how will we know that you're with us? His question is not an intellectual question. He's not looking for logical answers. Judas's question is a survival question, a question that most of us have asked in our guts when we have felt bewildered and lost. He speaks for us all. And as usual, Jesus doesn't answer our intellectual question, but he speaks to our survival question. 
He gives us the promise one more time in a third shape. When you love me, you keep my word, and Abba and I will love you and will come in love and make our home with you. Okay, if you're keeping track, we now have the entire trinity. First the Spirit, then Jesus himself, now God, Abba, and Jesus, all coming together to make our home in us. That's quite a community. Promise, promise, promise. Promise of God's intimate presence. Promise of guidance for the journey. Promise that we will not be lost. And as he holds us in this intimate embrace and clothes us with this promise, what does Jesus ask for us on the journey? Just this. Stay in the love of my Abba. Keep my love command. Keep my word. Share with one another the love of my Abba. Share with the world the love of my Abba. It will map out every step of the journey for you. Peace I leave with you. I will not leave you orphaned. Amen. You've been listening to the St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows podcast channel. Thanks for joining us.